I'm excited to be in the house of the Lord, and you should be too. When you come into the house of the Lord, I know everything ain't perfect. Believe me. Sometimes I got to walk through these doors and check myself before I walk in and go, you know what? I'm not really here to focus on my problem. I'm here to focus on God's promise for me today. I'm not really here to see what the speaker has to say. I'm here to see what God has to say through them. I'm not really here to sing songs that make me feel good. I'm here to worship him because he's worthy of all of my praise. You ready to worship him like he's worthy of all of your praise? Because you got to get in your word and you got to do some things. But I'm ready to press forward with the Lord tonight. You want to press with me? You want to go with me? I need your encouragement. I need your encouragement because I'm very ill prepared for this. Okay? Y'all got to help me preach because this ain't, this ain't me. I don't want to do this. I'm tired. I'm tired. Stretch your hands and pray for me. Stretch your hands and pray for me. <laughs> Can I do that? Can I do that? Pray for me. Say, so go ahead. Go ahead. Say it out loud. Jesus, I need it. Lord, help me, God. Help me, Lord. Yeah. A small prayer. The prayer of a child is still worth it. You know what I mean? Somebody say it, Lord. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, some long-winded ones, too. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amen to everything they just said. And Father, thank you so much for being a merciful and gracious God that you didn't leave us where you found us, but Father, you are taking us to a new place. Father, thank you so much for implanting seeds in us. People had to come along and plant a seed. Father, thank you for those people in our lives who planted the seeds. Father, thank you so much that you sent your son to die on a cross for us, that his obedience held him there, Father God. His obedience to you held him there so, Father, that we could come along and understand what it means to be obedient to you, to walk in our purpose and the plan that you have for us. Father, thank you so much for this place. Thank you so much for this time. We don't take this time for granted. Thank you for the rain. Thank you for the drizzle. Thank you for the cold. Thank you for everything that we take for granted, Father, that we are living and breathing in this world right now that you created in all of its perfection. And we bless you tonight for your word to go forth. Not anything I have to say, Father, your word to go forth. In Jesus' name, amen. And now you can be seated. Hope you sweat. Hope you're sweating a little bit. Please excuse me. My throat is just, I'm, so I'm going to have to take water breaks. It doesn't look real professional, but I'm going to need to do it. Tonight, we're talking about James chapter 2. And before we get to James chapter 2, if anybody did their homework from, from last week, as uh, Justin said, to go ahead and get studied up. I want to talk a little bit about what it takes for us to be able to receive everything that we can from this study. For us to be able to receive everything that we need to receive from, from going through the book of James. Okay, because we can come in here and we can sit down and we can listen, but we need to be actively involved, right? We need to be actively reading and praying about what's going on and, and, and the move of the Lord in this house. Um, so there's a shift that's taking place. There's a shift that's taking place globally, and sometimes we see that when we watch the news. Some of us watch the news, some don't. That's okay. <laughs> but you don't have to be uh, 
very heavily involved to know there's a lot going on. And it all looks like it's going like this. <laughs> uh, and it reminds me of, you know, the, uh, some of y'all old enough to remember this, the family, was it Family Matters? Read any good news on that newspaper page. Well, whatever. Yeah. Good news on the newspaper. I ain't never seen it. I ain't never seen it. I don't know where it's at. It's like in the very back. You know what I mean? It's like in the classifiers when you find a good deal or something. But as you see all this shift taking place globally, and then you look at your own community, and you see the things that are taking place in people's lives and how they're under attack and how they're living, uh, a lot of it comes down to this one thing. You need to know your purpose in life. And without your purpose in life, you won't be able to fulfill what God has for you, what he has planned for you. Point blank, period. If you don't know what you're living for, then you'll die for anything, right? You'll fall for tricks, stuff that doesn't look like the real thing. You know, the, the enemy is real crafty. Can I preach tonight? The enemy is real crafty, you know what I mean? He makes stuff look good. He makes it look almost like the real thing. It's like a McDonald's hamburger. <laughs> it looks almost like the real thing, but you know that it's not. This past Sunday, we sang a song pushing back the dark and you know and I started thinking about it and you know I feel good when I get to come and rap for Jesus that's awesome for me because that's that's part of my worship you know that's how I'm like programmed to do my worship so it makes me feel good to worship the Lord the way that I want to worship him you know what I mean and God gives you gifts, and he, he's giving Pastor Wayne talents. He's giving Steve Grossman talents back. You know, and I'm just, because I'm sitting back here listening to the drums, I'm like, man, God's got to be happy about this, you know? Like, God's got to love, he's got to love it, you know what I mean? Because he created him for that purpose, and he's, and he's fulfilling that purpose. He's playing it. He's doing it. And so when I'm out here, it's easy for somebody who's walking in their purpose to take for granted that it's supposed to bring glory to the Lord. Because sometimes you're focused on your purpose so that it can be fulfilling to you. Because <laughs> I could walk off this stage like, man, ooh, man, Justin, was that good? You, did you like that? You feel good? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but what did that do for the Lord? Did that advance the kingdom at all? Did that open anybody's mind about what worship could be? Did it, did it let anybody else tap into the story? that we're trying to tell, who, who formerly may not have had access to that, they didn't understand it before? Because that's why we do this. And for you personally, a lot of people, because this is a worship and art center, so there's a lot of artsy people around here, people that like to do stuff, paint and, 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 and make pictures and, um, you know, photography and plays, and there's a lot of things, and, and the list goes on and on, because even if you just in the play, doesn't include a person that's directing the play or down here in the orchestra or behind the scenes. So there's a lot of things of people that's finding their purpose. And I hope that they're finding their purpose not only in the thing that they're doing, but in the thing that should be bringing glory to God because they are now working for his kingdom. Because they're playing a position and in doing that is bringing glory to the Lord. Amen? How many servants of the Lord do we have in the house tonight? How many servants? 
How many people ready to serve, ready to show up and just, hey, whatever you need? It's a hard thing to do to be a servant. And we use some of those terms so loosely as saying servant of the Lord because <laughs> I like to consider myself a servant of the Lord, but when you get asked to grab a dustpan and a broom, then all of a sudden being a servant of the Lord ain't as fun as it used to be. There should be a reverence for this house. And I'm sorry I'm taking so long, but this is just something that's in my spirit, something that I, you know, <laughs> this is the house of the Lord. And maybe because I came in with a different understanding, maybe I just was able to accept some things differently than other people. But this is his house. It doesn't belong to us. We get to use it. And so there should be a reverence about us that makes us want to go the extra mile to do things here that we don't normally do elsewhere. Does that make sense? Because we come in to serve him. Now, there's a dying world outside these four walls who need to see Jesus. And sometimes they come visit us on Sundays, sometimes on Wednesdays, too. And when they come and visit us, what do they see us doing that's different than the place they just left? They're looking for answers. They're looking to see something new. They're looking for a newness of life. And so I would want them to think that it was crazy that I was cleaning up a cricket off the bathroom floor when they came in. Like, why are you doing that? Because, man, this is God's house, man. I have a reverence for it. I have a respect for it. You know, there's just a certain way I just, I enter in with, it's not putting on a church face. There's a difference. There's a difference in putting on a church face and then entering into God's house with praise and with thanksgiving and with reverence. Sorry I had to take so long, but bless you anyways. <laughs> well, let's get right on into judging people. That's fun. Uh, who got a problem judging people? Raise your hand. Everybody who didn't have to raise their hand, now they judging you. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, think the Lord, I think the Lord has a real good sense of humor, you know. Because in some of these things, and I'm going to read some of these scriptures to you. I didn't have them put it up, and I'll read it to you um, here in James chapter 2, but you know, one of, the, one of the things that I see, one of the recurring themes that I see here in James chapter 2 is that it's not so much don't judge as much as it is judge with mercy. Because one of the things we have a tendency to do is focus on the things that we shouldn't be doing and then we end up doing them things, right? Like if I'm on a diet, and I'm like, man, I can't have sodas, I can't have donuts, I can't have cookies, I can't have cake. Then my mind is thinking about donuts, sodas, cookies, and cakes, and I can't think about nothing else. Okay, that's just me, I guess. <clears throat> we had attended the, uh, this seminar this uh, last Friday, the cancer killers thing for um, maximized living. And uh, Dr. Josh Axe has said something about your nutrition, and it, and it kind of made me think this is a lot of areas in our lives we, we, we think like this. He said, you got to quit counting calories and counting fat and counting all these things. He said, you're counting all the wrong things. What you should be counting is your nutrition. 
if you'll count how many nutrients you're putting into your body, then you ain't got to worry about the other stuff. You can have the other stuff too, but you're so focused on the nutrition that the other stuff is supplemental. Okay, so then I'm thinking about my life and all the things that I don't want to do. Like when Paul said, the things I don't want to do, I keep on doing. The things I want to do, I don't do. And it's because I keep thinking about the things that I don't want to do, and it makes me do them. I'm so focused on what I don't want to do. Don't mess up. Don't mess up. Oh, I messed up. You ever heard that? This, uh, Justin does this all the time. He'll say, <laughs> what, the time that he baptized somebody, and I forget what he said. I now pronounce you baptized or something. And he has said, and I remember they said, hey, whatever you do, don't say this. I don't care what else you say. Just don't say this. He, he said, man, I keep telling myself, don't say this. Don't say this. Don't say this. And he gets in there and he goes, I now pronounce, oh, Why? And it's because you're sitting here telling yourself, don't say this, but the focus is on the this, not the don't. Uh, I heard an elementary school teacher say one time, she said, a lot of the times what you have to do with the kids, instead of saying don't run, you have to say walk. Because if you say don't run, all they hear is run. <laughs> all they hear is run. But if you say walk, then they, they understand that. And I think a lot of times, being Christians, because James' word is actually to believers. <laughs> it's not to non-believers, so it's to us. Our focus is so much on the don't do this and you can't do that and putting up these boundaries of, of places where we can play on a little playground and, and it'd be fun that we're always looking out at the things that we can't do and we're not looking in at the things that we can do. So tonight, I didn't want to come to you and say, hey, don't judge people. What I want to say is when you judge people, because you will, when you judge people, judge them with mercy. You know, judge them with compassion. This isn't about uh, accepting somebody's sin, you know. That's not what it's about. It's about having compassion on that person. Uh, even Jesus himself said, judge not lest ye be judged, but one of the things that, that in Matthew chapter 7 that he said was, before you judge them, remove the plank from your own eye. Before you judge the speck in their eye, remove the plank from your eye. So it's not that I can't judge this person, because I, I will. I, you know, we, we make judgments about people by the way they dress, by the way they talk, the jobs that they do, the education that they have, the car that they drive. We make judgments. We just we jump to conclusions. Um, One of the things that James warns us against is, is not inviting somebody who's wealthy up to the front of the church to, to give them a, a, a good seat and then saying to someone who's poor, here, you sit in the back or you sit here at my footstool. He was saying, look, the church can't operate under the same grounds that the world operates on. Okay, in the world, this person may be very important, but in the church, they're equally important. They're the same. I saw a, uh, <laughs> I had looked this up about the uh, pastor who dressed himself as a homeless person um, and came into the church or whatever, and some people just dismissed him. And he said he even tried to say hi to people, good morning or whatever, you know, and it was like, oh, yeah, whatever. They tried to get him to leave. They tried to get him to sit in the back. And nobody told him, here, come sit in the front. You know, nobody told him, hey, welcome to the house of the Lord. <laughs> We're glad you're here. I can't, I'm excited about today. Are you? You have anything to be excited about? Nobody just, 
had a conversation with them. Uh, and so then they call him up towards the end and they're like, you know, welcome your, your, your pastor. And he comes up dressed like the homeless guy. And, and then he tells him, he said, you know, I, I did this little experiment to see how you guys will react to see to see what you would do. Um, and, you know, similarly, there was a situation where a homeless man came here <laughs> one Sunday. And there were a lot of people who were like, well, how do we, how, what do we do with this guy? You know, what do we do with him? We need to get him to leave. We need to give him something that he needs so that he can go on his way. You know, and I felt like God was telling me, hey, pray for this guy, invite him to stay, whatever he needs, take care of him. So he said he want to plug his little uh, cart up back here. He plugged his cart in, got juiced up, got him some lunch money, and left. Now, I don't know how many churches he goes to trying to do the same thing or whatever. And I think a lot of times that's our tendency. We judge somebody and we say, well, I'm not going to give to this person because X, Y, and Z. Okay, you don't want to give to the uh, person who's panhandling on the street. Fine, I understand that. But when they panhandle directly inside your church, now it's a little bit different story. Because he said, James says, if anyone comes into your meeting, <laughs> if anyone comes into your meeting on Sunday morning and he wanders in, he's like, what's going on? Well, I, I don't know what his intentions are. But that's just one incident, you know, that's just, that's one, for instance, look at this guy, I experienced this, I saw it, but how many times does that happen to somebody who comes into this church that's hurting, uh, that doesn't get any attention, that doesn't get that, that doesn't get that welcome that they deserve, that doesn't get that, hey, come have a seat up here, because you know the first place we're going, the back seats. I'm sorry, y'all. I'm just getting all, I'm just getting all antsy up here, man. It's just, whew, it's been a long day. You know, I was just, man, Lord, I just want to go home and go to sleep. It's rainy outside. Don't nobody want to go to church tonight. They don't even, you know, they ain't really here for this. We, what are we doing? What are we doing, Lord? Are we really, are we really pressing on? Are we pressing in? Do we come in here every Wednesday just to hear some other word that'll inspire us for a day or two or a few hours and then we forget? I don't want to live life like that, y'all. <laughs> like, I want my focus to be, you know, I don't want it to be, oh, I got to prepare for this sermon. I got to get something together, y'all, because we got this coming up. Like, I want it to be, what's God showing me every single day of my life? Like, where is he leading me in my spirit where is he taking me? Where do we want to go as a church, as a community? Like, do we really want to reach out to the hopeless? Do we want to give them hope? Some of us don't. Some people are happy just sit, coming in here and sitting down, and that be it. Some people fine with that. But my question is, are you fine with that? You, know, you got to answer that for yourself. So what we're talking about here is favorites. We, what we're talking about is favoritism. So James chapter 2, starting verse 1, my brothers, as believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, don't show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in shabby clothes also comes in. 
If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand there or sit on the floor by my feet, have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? <laughs> judges with evil thoughts. Judges with evil thoughts. Let that resonate with you for a second. This is to a body of believers now. <laughs> this is to believers. You know what an evil thought is? An evil thought would be, I see this homeless person, I go, they did something to deserve that. Well, you know what they should have done. Well, you know, if they had done this, if they had listened to what I said two years ago, they wouldn't be homeless. That's a judge with an evil thought. Why did they, why couldn't they, they should have, and now I'm without compassion. And now it makes it harder for me to love this person because I'm judging them with an evil thought. I'm judging them and saying, you could have done more. You should have done more. Why didn't you do more? Why didn't you man up? Why didn't you try to raise them kids yourself? Why didn't you go to your mama's house and she would have let you? Why didn't you, because I know more, right? I know more than they know, because I'm, you know. Listen, my dear brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised to those who love him? But you have insulted the poor. Is it not the rich who exploited you? Are they not the ones who dragged you into court? Are they not the ones who are slandering the noble name of him to whom you belong? I love the way James puts this, too. Because there's something about this noble name to whom you belong. There's just, there's so much royalty and regalness here. There's so much kingdom mindset here. He's going, I know who we belong to. Now let's start acting like it. Do you want to act like sons and daughters of the king? There's like a certain expectation that's required. You ever see those movies? Sorry, I got kids. You know the little fairy tales? And the prince or the princess is like groomed up ever since they just little, you know. They always had this ideal or this goal in mind. They had people training them up. But this is the way you, that you have to be. This is the way that you're expected to be. And when we come into the family of faith, there's a new expectation on my behavior. I don't get to just act like whatever and come in here and sit down and listen. That's not what I get to do. It shouldn't be on my agenda. It shouldn't even be okay for me to think that that was okay. If you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery, but you do commit murder, you have become a lawbreaker. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom, 
because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Yes, judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who is not merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Isn't James an eloquent writer? Here's what I want us to do. Because believe it or not, I'm not trying to beat you up. I'm, I'm preaching to myself tonight. When the disciples asked Jesus, why was this man born blind? Whose sin? Was it him or was it his parents? And he said, no, it's so that the glory of God could be revealed in him. And see, sometimes we look at people with unfavorable situations and circumstances and we want to figure it out for them. Right? Maybe it's just me. I must be the only one, man. I don't know why I do that, man. Y'all catch me when I'm slipping. It's a judgment. It's judgment on my behalf. I'm judging this person. I'm acting like I know everything about them, acting like I know what they've been through in their life, acting like I know why they're making the bad decisions that they're making. I haven't been with them the whole time. I don't know what happened to them that made them think that way. I don't know what set them off course, but I should be here to help them. I should be here to help them get back on track. That's my job. It's not my job to judge you. It's my job to have compassion on you. Yes, I know we sin and we mess up and we fall short. We all do. That's why when we judge somebody else, we should judge them with mercy and with compassion. That's what he's saying. If you are judging without mercy, then you will be judged without mercy. Jesus said the same thing. Bless are the merciful, for they shall be shown mercy. It's just one of those if-then statements. It's one of those promises. If you do this, then you get this. If you show mercy, then you get mercy. If you don't show mercy, you won't be shown mercy. Period. In John chapter 7, verse 24, uh, Jesus had just healed a man on the Sabbath, and he had told the, the Pharisees, why do you keep on judging by mere appearances? Why don't you judge on what is right? All you're judging is by what you think that you see, but you don't even really know what you see because you don't understand it yet. Y'all ain't never done that. Just me. Hey, check this out. 1 Samuel 16, 7. <laughs> Man looks at the outward appearance, but God judges the heart. Man looks at the outward appearance. You know what else man look at besides the outward appearance? He got a whole laundry list of things that he's checking on you to see if you're successful. Just like I said, he's looking at your education. I want, a, I want a background check. I want a credit check. I want to know how long you had this credit card for. <laughs> man think he can figure you out and measure your level of success, but God doesn't care about those things. He cares about your heart. You may not be good at anything you think. 
You come into the house of the Lord and you say, I can do whatever you ask me to do. That's what I can do. Somebody going to find something for you to do because they're looking at your heart. They're looking at your heart. They don't care what you're good, good at. It don't matter. God gave me a vision that the type of people who we would be able to reach, and I'm telling you this because I'm a product of the grace and the mercy that I found in this church, and I want that to continue. Okay, I don't want it to be, hey, me and Justin was the last ones to come in that got shown that kind of favor because it should continue on. There should be others behind us coming from the same kind of backgrounds that we came from, giving the same kind of second chances. But where are they? I would rather have people right now that were jobless. This is just me speaking. This is just me speaking. Can I speak for a second? Let me speak for a second. This is just me. But I would rather have somebody who had no job, who had no money, who had a pair of sweatpants and a T-shirt and some flip-flops and showed up out here and said, hey, I'll do anything you guys need me to do. That's the type of people that I want. Because you know what? They'll find out that God does have a purpose for them, that God does have a plan for them, that every, enemy, that every curse that the enemy tried to put on them was reflected, rejected, dejected, ejected by Jesus. Every weapon formed against them, it didn't prosper because they showed up and they said, hey, I'm here. This may be the best that I can do. I got myself here. Now what do you want from me? Hey, what do I do next? Wouldn't that be cool if people showed up to church and said, hey, what do I do next? <laughs> but you know what they say? No, I know that. I know that part. Kind of like the rich young ruler that, uh, that Dave spoke about earlier. Yeah, 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 Jesus. Yeah, 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 yeah. I got all that figured out. What I'm looking for is something else that kind of fits my needs. I'm looking for something that makes me feel important. I'm looking for something that makes me feel good. Because that's the type of Christianity that we've learned to embrace. Um, <laughs> Scott, I'm going to tell you what, man. These... The, all of the guys who set this stage before, before I've come up here all these previous weeks, I tell you what, man, I have nothing but the utmost respect for them. I've learned so much just from hearing them share. I've learned a lot. I feel like I've grown personally in my walk just because of some of the things that, they, that they're being really open about and sharing. And uh, when Scott Asher said, hey, look, you know, Mother Teresa and Martin Luther King and Gandhi and whoever else he said, I don't know. He started going on down the list. I think he went all the way to Jesus, but <laughs> he said, you know, it makes me feel like I'm not alone. It makes me realize, hey, man, there's other people who have walked this, walked this path before me. And sometimes the people who's out there, they just need to know that people in here have walked the same path that they have. They just need to know that somebody did slip up and mess up before. And, and, and it wasn't the end of the world. 
they looking for hope, y'all. They looking for hope. And, and we can't offer it to them if we're already showing favoritism by the type of people that we want to invite in here or the type of people that will be accepted in here. I know how hard it is to walk into a church after you ain't ever been or ain't been in a long time. It's not easy. You know, show these people some grace. <laughs> show them some grace. Uh, so as James is talking about favoritism here, another, another word came to me. Lord, I'm so sorry. I'm running so late. Um, when he said don't show favoritism and, and we're getting to the, to the faith without works is dead, he's saying don't show favoritism, but he's also saying don't show favoritism by sin. You see, because he's talking about who's, who can keep the law, who can keep the entirety of the law. See, because if you commit murder, but you didn't commit adultery, then you are already guilty by the law because you did one and you couldn't keep the whole thing. But there are so many people right now that want to judge and say and, and, and do favoritism based on sins. Like, well, if you did that, it's not as bad as if you did this. Well, if you did that, then we'll accept you here. But if you did that, then no, we can't have you. Um, I had a cool little, you know, <laughs> one of the ones that, that, that Christians love. See, Christians love coffee. I don't know if y'all know that. <laughs> Christians love coffee. And see, and I'm like sitting here thinking because, you know, it's like coffee and cigarettes. You know what I mean? Coffee and cigarettes. Like, you know, they ain't neither one of them sin, so don't, don't try to get it twisted. You know, I, I don't see it in Scripture. But if it's, a, you know, if it's sin to you, it's sin to you. Um, but coffee and cigarettes, man, they both addictive, they both stimulants, they both coping mechanisms, they both comforts, they both provide escapes, they both turn your teeth yellow and make your breath stink. They both the same to me. They both the same to me. But we don't say nothing about nobody drinking coffee, but if they smoking a cigarette, then we like, I don't know about you. And I'm just saying, I'm not, I'm not telling you to go smoke or drink coffee. Please don't do either. Um, but what I'm saying is we have a tendency to really shift our focus on what we allow and what we won't allow. And it ain't got nothing to do with what God allows and don't allow. Based on our personal preferences, really. I said that example because what it brought to mind was something that uh, Scott Asher had talked about, which was pornography. And when he was talking about that, one of the things that came to my mind was exactly this type of scenario. Because what's the difference between pornography and adultery in the eyes of the Lord? But yet, we'll show favoritism if somebody had done this but not this or done this but not this and see what I'm saying is we can't judge neither one of them you got to have mercy on both of them you got to be compassionate with both of them y'all don't hear me y'all ain't even hear me y'all think it ain't nobody that walked in this church a former adulterer Y'all think nobody walked in this church, a former pornography addict, and now living for the Lord? Somebody had to show them grace. Somebody had to show them mercy. Somebody had to listen to their problem and not judge them. Somebody had to do it. 
Ain't none of y'all been there. Ain't none of y'all been there. But you have been somewhere. All I'm saying is get to that place and quit judging folks for it. Here's one more thing that uh, James said that I love, that I love. In verse 8, he said, the royal law. He said, the royal law found in Scripture. Love your neighbor as yourself. You know what the, you know what the world likes to use? The golden rule. The golden rule. Do unto others as you would have others do unto you. It's in the Bible, right? The golden rule. See, the royal law, <laughs> the royal law trumps the golden rule. Because one of them is fair and one's not. The golden rule is about fairness. But me loving you through your problem, it's not fair sometimes. Sometimes it's not fair what you've done that was worse than what the other person done, but yet you both get the same grace. You both get the same mercy. You remember when Jesus was telling a parable about the talents? Or about the, uh, I mean, about the, uh, the workers in the vineyard? And he said, well, you know, I promised to pay all of them the same. The, the, the man promised to pay all of them the same. But the people who came later on got paid the same as those who had been there all day. But yet the owner of the field said, I, no, I said I was going to pay. This is what I said I was going to do. So what difference does it make to you whether you work this long and they work that long and everybody gets paid the same? It's the same with our sin. See, we want to look at somebody else's sin and say, well, they did much more than me. They're going to have to do more work than me. No, they get the same grace that you got when you got here. There is no prerequisite required. You show up, you believe, you ask for it, and it's given to you. Some people need grace right now just to get through just to get through this week. I'm one of them. So faith without works is dead. Uh, here's one of the things that I like. And we talk about this sometimes about the people that want to go on mission trips, but they don't go. It's like, but you can go support the people who, who do go on the mission trip, and then it's like you took the mission trip too. And that's cool because some people can't leave the house, you know what I mean? They got other commitments, you know, physical constraints or, or what have you, and that's their only way to pour in, and that's awesome that, that's awesome that they do that. You know, much respect to those people who do that because a lot of people could be bitter about that and not give money. But there is also a misconception that some people need to serve while some people do something else. Like, some people just need to pay their tithes, and then some people can work. Or some people can go to Weary every fourth Saturday, and then some people can paint pictures and hang them in a church. Is that okay? I don't know. I guess. But the thing is, if I'm telling somebody and this is what I believe in and I'm 100% invested in it and I'm, and I'm telling you, hey, God is moving over here, then guess what? You should go. 
you go into where he's moving. See, I hear people say this all the time. I want to pour into ministries where I see God moving. You know, I want to put my money where I see God is really doing something there. And I know it's going to a good place. That's awesome. That's awesome to do that because you got to be led by the Spirit to do that. Otherwise, uh, you'll try to make your own decisions about what to do with your money. But the thing is, if you're telling somebody else, this is where God's moving, I expect you to be there too. (laughs) I expect to see you there. Why do I hear you talking about something, but I don't ever see you do it? Why do I hear you say, hey, this is a really great idea, but then your actions don't back it up? I remember one of the first things uh, people started doing to me when I gave my life to Christ is they started looking at my life to see how I was going to react in certain situations, like where I used to would have thrown something or kicked something or somebody or whatever. Um, they would see me in a similar situation, and they would be waiting. They'd be like, watch this. He, yeah, watch what's going to happen. They wanted to see if my actions really lined up with what I believed in. Because I was sitting here telling them that these are the things that I'm focusing on. I'm focusing on the good. I'm not focusing on the negative no more. I'm focusing on the good things that God's got for me. And God really wants to take me places and he wants to do things with me. And if I let your little um, shenanigans hold me up right here, then I won't be able to go and progress on to the next level because I'm still focused on all this over here. God really wants us to serve, y'all. He really does. He wants us to serve. There's something, about, there's something about being served that makes you feel worthy. You know, when you get, when, when somebody is serving you, you feel like, don't you feel good? Doesn't it feel good when you get to go out to eat and nobody got to do the dishes? Isn't that great? I know I'm going to get an amen right there. <clears throat> I kept that one in my back pocket. But it feels good to go out to eat and have somebody serve you and take care of you. You feel good. You know what I'm saying? You don't have to worry about stuff. You get to relax a little bit, focus on the family. Let's talk about what's going on. You know, that's what should happen when people come into this church. They should get served. (laughs) They should get served with some Jesus. They should walk in and be like, oh, my gosh, everything that I was thinking about, I don't have to think about right now, and I got some other things to do, and can I drop my kids off? Is there plenty of nursery workers, people who love the kids that's going to take care of them and teach them about Jesus? Yes. Awesome. Is there enough people to hold these doors open when they get here so they feel welcome? Cool. Is there enough people to usher them to a seat if they can't find one? Praise God. Let that be the problem. But when people come here, they should feel served, y'all. They should feel like, wow, I need to get back to that place. There's something going on there. There's something in those people. I don't know where they got that from. Y'all want to go there with me? Y'all want to go there? You got to really win. You got to really want to go there, man. I'm telling you, sometimes people think I'm rude because sometimes during worship, I'm like talking to people. I'm like walking back here. I'm sure people wonder like, why is he just... Man, the thing is, man, I worship all week long. There is something great about corporate worship. But sometimes I haven't seen other people in weeks, months sometimes. 
And I want to go and make sure they feel welcome to the house of the Lord. I want to make sure that they, I want to go to them and say, I'm glad you're here. Anything that I can help you with. Because those are the types of connections that we got to have to be able to, to be able to capture people with Jesus' love. Because that's what's going to get them. It's not us, it's him. I'm so sorry, y'all, I'm running over. So we don't get to do songs, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry, man. Um, and I'm sorry it was so real, man. I man, it's like, man, it's heated up here. I'm so, man, I need to tell more jokes. I'm, let me tell y'all how to joke. So here's what Justin was doing yesterday. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, I guess we're going to dismiss, and uh, you want me to give you a blessing before you leave? Okay. Okay. Well, stand up, man. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's get ready. Be like ready to rumble up in here, man. I can stay for another hour. Just kidding. <laughs> Father God, thank you so much for this night, and thank you so much for your love and for your mercy and for your grace that's so evident in our lives, Father. Let us walk in that way, Father God, so that when people see us, they see you. They see you at work in us, Father God, and, they, and they'll be desirous to have that same peace and that same joy, Father, to experience you the way that we do, Father. Father, I pray that you'll make us servants of your house, that you'll make us servants of the Most High God. And in serving you, Father, that we would serve your people, the people who, we, who maybe we think don't deserve it, Father, but you call them worthy. And so, Father, we will serve them as you have served us, God, with love. And, Father, just thank you for this night. I pray everything that I said just is wiped away. But, Father, everything that was from you, that it not only resonates, Father, but it's put into action, Father. And that it is a blessing in this house and to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you.